Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome into another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Davey Hudson alongside Denard Walker. And for today, we are switching things up a little bit. We have a special edition for you today. I'm sure if you have turned on the news, you have opened up the internet, you have seen something over the course of the last month of all the issues that are sweeping the country as it relates to social justice issues in America. As we take a step back, we reflect on everything that has happened as it relates to the events of George Floyd dying at the hands of police brutality, discussing the demonstrations that have happened throughout all of America. And Dinar, to, to kind of start this off, just in general, how would you summarize everything that you have seen throughout the country over the course of the last month? Well, God, I, I've, I've seen it two ways. I've actually seen it as movement, but I've also seen it as we're still stuck in the same cycle that continues to perpetuate itself over and over. And when you have that, you hope for change. That's one of the things you hope for. But you can hope all you want. If you don't take no initiative to change things, then things will stay the same. And that's what you don't want. I've always felt like it was each generation, their job is to make it better for the next generation. And I think if things stay the same, if we're stagnant, then we're going to continue to see the same thing over and over. And that's unacceptable. And I just feel like when I watch these protests, especially the peaceful one, because that's what the protests are about. It's about creating peace. It's not about looting. That is unacceptable in my eyes. I don't care how mad you get. I don't care how angry you get. I don't care. You can never allow your emotions to dominate your intellect. That's something my mentor always told me. And when I see people looting, it defeats the purpose of why you're out there protesting in the first place. So that's the thing that I love most is, is to watch people unify. And when you can see that and bringing people closer together, then that's when you know, okay, change is coming. Because that's the only way that's going to work unless, number one, we have to be transparent with ourselves in order to be real with one another. If we can't have an open dialogue, we don't have no chance at moving forward. And, and again, it's about respect too. Let's not forget that. Okay, I've, all, I've said this time and time again. If you are respectable to a police officer, he will be respectable to you. And that's what we got to have. If, if you don't have that, if, it's, if respect is not reciprocating on either ends, then chaos ensues. And that's what we continue to see over and over again. And it gets tiresome. You know, you get tired of looking at that. I completely agree with you, Denard. And, and one of the key distinctions, if I'm taking a step back and I'm looking at everything, I feel a lot of people try to lump, no matter which side of the aisle you're on politically, they try to lump everybody into one category on either side. And I feel that is a a disservice coming forward and trying to make change happen when you're you're taking everything into account because like you said peaceful assembly peaceful protesting it's an incredible thing that is something that as an american having the right to do that is just not something you have been able to see in other countries throughout the world and so the fact that we are fortunate enough to have that is great and i'm with you there's never a situation where looting is acceptable and doing that completely contradicts everything that you have these peaceful protesters trying to accomplish and so what you'll often see is a lot of the media try to take things one out of context right. to just create more storylines to where they're able to continue to drive their numbers up that's right. from being in the media that is something that i've i've seen happen 
time and time again. And it, it is frustrating from someone who actually wants to witness America become a better place. Because I understand that this country has flaws. I think most people are willing and able to agree that that is simply the case. And if you want to have change, civil discourse is something that's it's going to happen, but you have to come to the table, both sides, and be able to talk. And, and I'll be honest, whenever everything first started to happen with Colin Kaepernick, I don't think he did a necessarily great job of trying to explain his point. I viewed the kneeling as a, a disrespect to the anthem and to the flag of which I've, I've known people to serve in the military and I've had family members that fought during World War II and have known people that, that did not come back from wars. And so from my point of view, I would view that as a, a disrespectful act to have. I feel like I have grown over the course of the last month because I have taken that step back. I have listened to what other people have said, and they are saying that, man, like we're not coming at this from a standpoint of trying to diss the military, to right, exactly. show disrespect to the flag. Right. We're trying to point out that there are problems in this country that we need to address. Yeah. And, and so I think everyone is in agreement that police brutality is bad. I don't know of anyone who's just sitting there and saying, like, nah, like, what happened to George Floyd? Like, that should have happened. That was atrocious. Those members of the police force should have justice served on them for what they did. And I do believe if people are willing to open up and listen, a lot more can happen. You know, someone told me that the way that a marriage works is communication. When communication breaks down, your relationship is over when you stop talking to each other. How will you know what I'm thinking if you don't ask me and vice versa? How would I know what you're thinking if you don't ask me? That's why we don't really get anywhere. We stay in the same place. We stay stuck. It's a cycle. We, can, we continue to see it over and over again. You see, the way that you look at life and the way that I look at life, we have probably two different narratives, two different perspectives. You might see it one way. I might grow up in the inner city somewhere. So I might see some things that you might not. But that don't mean that it gives you a right or me a right to attack the way that you think. It's kind of like with the Drew Brees situation. I thought about this and I, and I said to myself, Drew Brees had every right to say what he wanted to say because that's the way he sees it. But there's a kid from the inner city, he might see it differently. He might see police brutality on an everyday basis. You, uh, what was the movie NWA was uh, straight out of Compton years ago. Yeah. And people, you know, the, and I love that movie, but what the movie was trying to convey to the audience was what was going on in the inner cities that people were neglecting. The Rodney King situation, that had been going on in, in especially for African-Americans for the last three, 400 years. It's just that we didn't catch it. Nobody saw it or people turned a blind eye. And when they actually caught it, the fact that they let those four police officers off, didn't charge them with anything, it shows you, it showed us, America, what injustice looked like, especially when you had it on camera. You got it on a phone, you know, a recording, somebody caught it. How many times have we saw that over the past 20 years? We've seen it over and over again. How many times have people actually served, got, got some kind of sentence for doing that to some in, innocent individual? We see people walk free. And so now it's just like, I think from an African-American perspective, is people are sick and tired of that. But sometimes if you, from your perspective, you may not see that. So it's like we both have two different ways of looking at things. 
But the way that we can kind of see, we can create sympathy, we can compassion for one another is we learn to basically, let me, let me tell you about my experience. Either you accept it or you don't. And that's the problem is I think it's just, we in this thing, this big melting pot called the United States of America. We got people all different religions, different nationalities. It's you the know, most diverse country in the entire We're the world. most diverse country that there is. We, we bring in everything. We got this, we bring in everything into one place. So of course there's going to be some kind of division. That's normal. But what we got to do is we got to find a, a safety spot for everyone, regardless of your religion, regardless of your race, your, your sexual orientation. We got to find that, that gray. We got to find that area of where we can learn to respect one another, because if we can't, we're going to continue to go down this path. Denard, you, when you kind of started right there, you brought up the Drew Brees situation. And it's one of those things where I don't believe what Drew Brees said was wrong. He just completely missed the mark for what the other people were trying to say to him. And it's, it's one of those things to where we've seen it become more and more common. Going to your point where if, let's say I don't agree with you, right. I just try to drown you out by talking over you. And the cancel culture that you get with that it just leads to more division. And so that, of course, just leads to things becoming worse when you're trying to make change happen. I thought Tony Dungy, probably my favorite NFL head coach of all time, he said on a program after the Drew Brees thing happened, he said, you know, when I sit back and I kind of look at it, I'm glad that the Drew Brees thing happened because it was a great time to really sit back and see that Drew is a guy that many people look up to in the league. He is a man that people know cares about his community. He is a family man. He wants to do things the right way. People know that Drew was not trying to be disrespectful when he made those comments. He just didn't understand from someone else's point of view. At first, it just seemed like everyone was mad at Drew. And I was like, I kind of I felt for him because I was in the same situation as Drew where it's like I just didn't at the beginning understand what someone else was trying to tell me because I would be willing to say I wasn't necessarily listening. I, I thought I was, but it was... I was probably more so just listening to where then I could talk afterwards. That's something that I have really learned in, in just several different aspects of my life that I've been able to grow throughout is because if you take someone else's perspective and the biggest thing I learned by going to law school is to try to look at everything from every single perspective and not just have tunnel vision and just see with, okay, well, based off my life circumstances, this is how I'm going to view this. I've been able to take several angles. I'm very fortunate for that. If I had one thing I could do from a world perspective to what I believe would allow change to occur, if I could have everyone just be able to try and view things through a different perspective, even though it's not going to be possible for everyone to do, but a lot of people aren't willing to do that. And when you're not willing to do that, no growth is going to come from. No growth because... It, it, it all boils down. I, I remember a story. I was watching something on Netflix about the same situation that we're talking about. And it was talking about how police, they actually police the black communities. Drew Brees is from Austin, Texas. He's from probably a middle-class suburb in Austin, Texas. Okay. Half of the athletes in the NFL are probably from lower income inner cities in America. Okay. Places that is so they're not going to see things the same. It's just like going for a walk. I go to Frisco, Texas, and I look at all the big houses, and it's clean. It smells good. People are nice. Hello. It, it, you know, dogs are playing in the yards and in the 
the, the flowers are blooming. Then you go to the inner city and you smell just junk and trash and you see nothing but poverty. You see nothing but drugs and alcohol. You see everything that can tear down a human being. So of course they're going to look at things differently. Okay. They talk about, there's a story, there's a wonderful, wonderful, and I would, I would just encourage a lot of people. If you have Netflix, it talks about the Watts police department. This is a beautiful story. And they was talking about how all these police officers, uh, in this one area, Watts, which is probably the worst part, uh, in Los Angeles County, it is absolutely just impoverished. It is basically people have been just decimated by gun violence, you know, gangs. But they was talking about how the police, what they tried to do is a beautiful story, how they were trying to get people to say, hey, listen, we're on your side. So instead of policing you, we want to get to know you. We want to walk in your communities. We want to be right by your side. We want to gain your trust. We're not here to brutally beat you. We're not. But we're here to do, make sure that this community is being served. And what they would do, there's a wonderful story. It was talked about the kids that grow up in Watts. And it was saying that the difference between a kid that grew up in Watts and a kid that grow, grows up in some part in Beverly Hills, if there was a shooting or some kind of school shooting, you would have all these psychologists and psychiatrists there to comfort the kids and talk to the kids. But these kids in the inner city, they go through this every day. And he was talking about a lot of these kids probably got the early onset of PTSD and they don't even know it. Because every day they're so used to seeing gun violence. They're so used to seeing drugs being sold next door or on the corner. They're so used to seeing liquor stores. They're so used to seeing all of this chaos. So right now they have a lot of issues just from what they've had to witness. You know, and we're talking about kids that were like 15 and 16 years old when the mind is in the, being developed. So of course, Drew Brees is gonna see things differently as opposed to uh, Denard Walker who was actually born in South Dallas, you know, which was actually one of the worst, it wasn't the worst place in those times, but it was places that was low and disenfranchised from the rest of the communities, you know, the disenfranchised communities of America. That's where the typical African-American typically was just like our parents, they, the ghetto, the hoods is what they call them. So you're going to see things differently. The question is, is how do you basically bridge that gap? And, and that's one of the things I do love about athletics as opposed to any other, so many things have failed us. But when we use athletic, you can take a white kid from upper suburbs of Tennessee and a black kid from some slums in Georgia, and you can bring them together for one common goal. That's what I love. It bridges the gap. And we haven't been able to bridge the gap. We failed in that area. And that's what we got to do. We got to find a way to bridge the suburbs of Frisco, Texas to the lower income places in Dallas, bridge them together so that we can try to create parity. That's what we need to do to try to bring everybody up rather than keep some people down. Denard, going off of that, that, that is one of the reasons why I absolutely love sports. When you are able to, and, and I know everyone listening to this is a fan of football. When you think about on Sunday afternoon in the fall, you have all your problems during the week. You're going to work. Everyone's got, got their own issues. And obviously some people are going to have more difficult issues than others. But the one thing, whenever you're able to come together, you're able to watch a sport, you're able to cheer on your team. It doesn't matter who you're sitting next to in the stadium. If they got that same apparel on, you could be from completely different worlds, but you're able to come together in that moment. You're able to share that, that common joy whenever something happens on that field. And so I guess to try to, move this into the next question. 
we're going to have several players. They've already said that whenever it comes time for the season, whenever that might be, they they will be demonstrating whether it's kneeling in, during the anthem in regards to social injustice. There are still a lot of people who were looking at it, have not necessarily come to the table for listening to what other people are saying that said they are going to just tune out the NFL. I guess if you had to give a message, I know that's not an easy question, but if, if you had to give a message to people who are on either side just trying to turn away from the sports because they, they might not like what the other side has to say, what would you give them? Don't close yourself off. There's no growth. There's no change if you close yourself off. When that young man is kneeling, he's trying to bring awareness the way that he sees how he can make a change or this this is how he can show the audience or the fans or, or America or the world, listen, this is what is happening right now. What we're trying to do is to create change for the next generation. But right now, we need to do it right now. Because this is so much bigger than us. The thing that I loved about the movie Selma was President Johnson said, you know what? I'm going to sign this act, this Voter Registration Act. You know why? I'm not thinking about 1965. I'm thinking about 1985. I want to be on the other end of history. That took some guts back then. I think about President Obama. You, you Think about what he had to experience when he allowed, say, gays to actually marry. That's a, it's a sensitive topic, right? Not, we don't want to discuss that. But imagine what he had to be going through to say, we're going to legalize this. People do not like change. And that scares a lot of folks when there's change and when things are changing, especially too fast. And that's what we have to have for the next generation. It's just like I was telling you on Twitter. It's, it's going to take me a while because I've been anti-social media. But you know what? Get ready whenever you come but, but, on. But, you know, but that's a good thing because you know why? How you communicate in this day and age? By your thumbs. That's, that's how true. you get things. By your that's thumbs. True. I heard a coach say, you know how I get to a young man now? Simply by using my thumbs. That's how people communicate now. And that's what we it changed. It scared, it scared me. It took me a long time just to learn how to check my email because I didn't mess around with computers. You know, my kids, they can go through this thing and they can, two seconds, they can have everything up. But that's, that is what a lot of the older generation, they don't want, is change. And sometimes change, it may, not be, it may be uncomfortable for you, but it might be good for some other people down the line. And that's what we, people want parity. We want to, everybody needs to be equal. We don't need where you got one group is higher than the others. We've seen that too long. Again, I don't, and I, don't, I also don't believe that you should be given anything as well. I don't want nothing that I haven't earned. But I think if a person is willing to go out there and work and do the right thing, they go out there and get the degrees and, and they should have a right, a fundamental right to get the same job, depending on what you look like. That should never be a factor. And that's what we need to get out of. We've, we've been in this cycle for too long where we've judged people simply by how they look. You know, I, I heard a message at church one time and it says that we have to love people regardless of what they look like. We already judge a book by its cover simply by just looking at it rather than opening up the book. We already think we know what's in it because we judge people based on their hair, what they look like, you know, gender, whatever. We got to get out of that mindset. Once we get out of that, and it's going to be uncomfortable because so many people still do it, whether they believe it or not. When we get out of that mindset, what you're going to see in this country is growth. And sometimes in order there for 
for there to be growth, it's, you got to go through a very, very uncomfortable stage. And that's where we're at in this country. We're going through some uncomfortable stages in order to try to create growth in this country. And that's how we're going to get there. It's going to be uncomfortable. So get used to it. And I think that's what a lot of the older generation, they can't get out of. No, I, I agree with you. And, and you make the point talking about how everything now is communicating through the thumbs. And while social media has led to so many great positives for people being able to get information at the snap of a finger. One of the things I wish people would do, and it's something to where you do have certain parties out there that want to create chaos. They want to create havoc. And so it's being aware that there are people out there trying to do that because I know for myself, and I think I speak for a lot of people when they say this, whenever you see something that kind of makes your blood boil, your first reaction is you want to kind of fire back at them. And with social media, one of the problems there, and you don't have to worry about any of the repercussions by saying something that you would not be willing to actually say to a person right to their face. And so people are starting to know if, if they're starting to realize that it can be so detrimental to actually having conversation whenever it is like that. But at the same time, I, I often have to tell myself, all right, just put the phone down for a second. Actually think this through before you send what you're about to tweet or what you're about to text a person because, one, you never know how they're going to perceive it. And and that's another thing with, like, I'm with you where I'm kind of old-fashioned, and if I have to have a conversation with somebody, I'd rather talk with them over over the phone because I'm able to actually hear the tone of their voice, be able to pick up on certain things. You don't necessarily have that with social media. So as it relates to people trying to make sure that they're having change, just even though it's hard, try and take the high road. And I know you're going to have parties that are going to be there trying to create the chaos, trying to create the havoc, but it's something I've always tried to tell myself, like I got to be the bigger person in this situation. If people are trying to have that attitude, things are going to come a lot faster. People are going to be able to, one, want to actually listen and talk with you to where you can figure out where you have these differences. Because I, I honestly do believe there are more things that we actually agree on than what separate us. And, and the biggest thing I've learned in life so far is just if you're not willing to listen, you're not going to be able to have any sort of communication that is going to allow for change to actually happen. I agree. I totally agree with you. You know what DB stands for? DB. I not not defensive back. You know what I I, 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 I figured it wasn't wasn't a, a football <laughs> term, but I was, no, I was trying to figure it out. You know, I used to be a former DB, but you know what it it really stands for to me? It means to do better, hmm. do better. And the reason that I, I, I say this is that I love you know as I'm getting used to social media. One thing it has done, yes, it it, it brings to light everything that's going on to the world. But something that I, I didn't like about social media is it has distanced it distanced us to a, a certain extent, and I didn't like that. A lot of times, instead of going to the source, we go tweet about it, and I miss those days where you get that interaction. You know, I grew up in a time where if you had something to say, you was taught to go to that person and say it in their face, or go say it to them. Don't go tweet. Don't go on Facebook like most people do and start up a tweeting war. Go to that individual and tell him or her what's going on or how you feel. We've gotten away from that. We need to, we need to get back to that. That's something that I, I you know, I, I guess from my perspective, I, I think more in terms of, I guess, love. 
I think more in terms of respect, because that's something that I love for, that's what I crave for is respect. You give me respect, respect will be reciprocated right back to you. I believe in that. That's not something that is, should be given to you. That's something that is earned. You know, there was a, and I don't mean, mean to harp on this situation. And there was a young man that signed with LSU and he sent out a racist tweet. You think a uh, young kid, I'm not going to say his name. So I don't know if they're going to allow him in school uh, come fall. Somebody, it raised my awareness and it said, Denard, I asked myself, would you allow this young man in school? Yes. And someone said it on Twitter is that he needs to be around people different, different than him. He needs to be around more African-Americans, more Hispanics, so he can understand and learn to, learn to talk to these people and understand they're no different than he is. He needs to understand that how his words actually can hurt an individual. They can literally cut through you like a knife, just simply the words that you choose, how you choose them. That is so essential. So for me, would I basically honor his scholarship? Yes. You know why? Because I realize he's a young man. He's only 18 years old. He still, he's got a lot of growth. He has a lot of learning to do. So let's not basically just castrate these young people. Like when we catch all these young boys, when they, young guys, these athletes, we go back, uh, something that they tweeted 10 years ago and we want to basically ostracize. We want to just, just uh, we just want to beat them down. I can't stand when people do that because they're young adults. So what you got to do is you have to teach them. They need to learn. They need to understand that these words hurt. So I don't use these later on in life. None of us are perfect. You know, we all have done something when we're younger that we regret. But the question is, is have you learned from it? And that's what I always tell about young people. Give them don't get, just give them one chance. Don't give them two chances. Don't give them three chances. Give them every chance to succeed. Most of all, give them a chance to learn. That's what makes you a better adult. And that's what basically it, it gets to me is watching adults, not young people, but adults do things that 18-year-olds or they'll tweet something that they know is wrong. So I have a little bit of compassion for a 40 or 50-year-old as opposed to an 18 and 21-year-old. And that's just called growth. That's all it is. I think that is perfectly said. Here at the University of Tennessee, we actually had an incident. A, a young lady was going to be coming in and being a part of the cheer team, mm -hmm. and a racist social media post surfaced. And it was a situation where I really thought I, w I wanted to sit back because, you know, a lot of the times if, if you come to someone's defense and they do something like that, you're often now labeled as a racist. Right. With the story that had happened, this young lady had posted something, and the university said they were no longer going to take her on. And as I was thinking about this, I kind of came to the same conclusion you just did, where it's like, this girl, when she posted this, she was probably 17 years old. And I was thinking, when I was 17, I never did anything like that, but I realized how, in such an environment I was, I had not really been able to open up my mind to a lot of these diverse ideas that you come across whenever you're putting on you're put on a college campus with so many people from so many different backgrounds. And I thought they're actually doing this girl a disservice. I understand that being on the football team or being on a certain team that that is a privilege, and and I know it's still a privilege to get an education. But I think universities th th there is a line you have to draw when somebody has so many opportunities and they continue to not hold right. up to the standard that they are put at. But I was like, 
they need to bring this girl, at least say she can still attend the university yeah. so that she can realize what she actually did wrong. Because if you put several people in this type of situation, what you're likely going to do is you're going to make them think they have been discarded right. from the rest of society. And that hate is only going to grow and they're never going to actually be able to see where they were wrong in the first place. And I look at that from the same situation. I try to go back. Tennessee had a player that they had to kick off the team last year on their football team. And he had a video that surfaced of making some very, very rude remarks to the police. Just some of the stuff he said. He, he then had a, another issue. And I was like, this guy doesn't deserve to be on the football team right now. But he deserves to at least have an opportunity because you're going to have to send him back to Memphis where he comes from a terrible background when you're looking at the situations around him and that's not going to help him i wanted to applaud coach pruitt for allowing him to keep this player because over the course of the last year you have seen him go out and be interactive with the local police he has grown he's tried to become a better person and he's not been guaranteed the opportunity to come back on the team but you have seen a person that was having bigoted comments and actions and he has actually been able to take those moments and use those to his benefit to become a better person on the other end. And he would not have had that opportunity if these institutions would have just said, that is wrong, get out of here. Whatever. I love that because you know what? It made him better and not bitter. And that's what we're doing today. We're making people more bitter and not better simply because we close off, especially when we're dealing with young people. You can't. I had a situation at LSU like that, and I don't mean, I don't, but they had a guy, he was a great player for us. He was our best uh, defensive player. Let me just say that, and I'm not going to say his name. And we're all like 21, 22 years old. This is in 1995. The guy had a phenomenal season. I think he led the SEC in interceptions. Could this guy have gone pro? I don't know. I don't know what the pros were looking for, but I do know one thing. He was a great player for us. The problem that he had was smoking marijuana. So he got caught with his, I think, third drug test. Now, Coach DiNardo did something that I never said to this guy personally, but I did commend the coach what he did. He kicked the guy off the team, but he didn't kick him out of school. What he told him is, you are going to – see, the easiest thing for me to do is to let you out of this scholarship, let you transfer to Memphis, Tennessee, or Georgia, whatever, that'd be the easiest thing to do. And then you will continue to do the same thing because you've, you would have never learned anything from this situation. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, I'm going to take this football away from you, but I'm going to keep you in school to get you, make sure that you become educated. And I'm going to put you in drug counseling classes. I'm going to get you help. I'm going to do everything. That, so when you walk out of Louisiana State University, you walked out of here as a young man who has grown. You walked out of here as a young man that realizes that you're breaking the law when you're smoking marijuana, okay, and you've gotten caught three times. You have a problem. I'm here to address the problem, not to address your football needs. That's why you are a student first and an athlete second. So he basically, the guy, parents, came down to Baton Rouge demanding, I want my son out of this scholarship. And back then, some 25, 30 years ago, coaches had the power to release a guy out of a scholarship or keep him. They didn't have to do anything back then. Now the NCAA basically says, hey, we're not doing that anymore. But back when I was coming up, the coaches had the power. They kept the guy in school, went to school, got his education. He calls me one day on the phone. Actually, I saw him 
at a, uh, I was playing with the Titans, the Oilers. We playing in Nashville against the Broncos. We had a buddy of mine who played for Denver. He came down to the game from Memphis down to Nashville to watch the game. And then he called me and he was literally crying like a baby saying, this man has taken my, 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 my dream away of playing professional football. He's crying like a child just lost his favorite toy. I said, no, he didn't. He gave you life. He told you there was something more important than this game. You can't continue down the same path and expect to do something different. That's not, you know, the definition of insanity is to continue to do the same thing over and over, looking for a different result. You've been heading around the same direction from the time you got there. He's trying to tell you that you got a problem smoking this weed. You need to address the elephant in the room. The elephant in this room is you, but he kept you in school. See, all this life he'd been able to get these privileges because of this game. And now that didn't work because that's not the way society works. That's why you see so many athletes in this day and age, what are they getting popped with? All these marijuana charges, all this. And you, it raises the question, you know, I think about Antonio Brown, all the chances that you have, but you keep blowing them because no one has ever put you in your place. And that's why you see guys, they do the same thing over and over again because people have allowed them to do it because they can simply play a game. That's not the way it works in this world. You gotta be accountable for your actions. And that's what I try to tell him. He did you a service, not a disservice. So you need to thank him because he could have took your scholarship away, but he kept you in school because he knew there was something more important than a game. And I respected Coach Jerry DiNardo for doing that. That's one of the reasons I have always had the utmost respect for Coach DiNardo because he was, his whole thing was not just winning football games, but training you to be a, a young man that when you walked out of this, this university, that you're prepared to go into this world and make a difference. And we see so many young men that are lost because what we do in this day and age is when they mess up, we, want to, we would just want to throw them away. You know, let's just send them here, send them to jail. That's not always the, the right answer to send them to prison or send them to jail. We need to take some time, do like I did, went to military school for a year. It taught me the value of an education. So when I got down to Baton Rouge, I knew, and I told this story. Most people are waiting, they're ready for the football season. I'm waiting for the first day of class. And that's, we got to, we, we, we got to educate our young people more and more. We got to educate them about, just like with my son, about police. When you stop, don't give him, don't give him, don't, don't talk noise to him, okay? God, he may have a bad day too. There needs to be respect. I always tell him, put your hands where he can see him. Let him know that you're not, you know, an enemy. Let him know that, hey, he's just a young man. He's trying to go home just like me because he's trying to do his job also. We got to understand if respect is not reciprocated, chaos only ensues. We need to work. I've always said the same way you treat your mom is the same way you would treat a police officer. The same way a police officer treat his mom is the same way he'll end up treating that person that he stops. He'll treat them the same way. You know what I'm saying? It all ties in together. It's just respect. And if we don't, if we don't learn that, it's not very hard. We can't make each other the enemy. We got to find that, that gap and close this thing once and for all. We got to work with our, this country won't make it without the police. You got to have these men and women that will go out there each and every day and put their lives, they put their lives on the line. We got to respect that, but we also got to make sure that respect is reciprocated from the people that are protecting us as well. I'm when we get that, I promise you things will be so much better. 
Go look at the Watts Police Department, what they're doing. I don't think we give enough credit to those men and women that are out there each and every day that are saying that, hey, man, we're here to serve and to protect. And when I saw what the police department was doing in Watts, I couldn't do nothing but give them high praise, man, because they deserve that. We need to start making sure that the good cops, the good police officers, the men and women that serves our country, you know, this, this country every day, we need to start putting them in high regards. Because I know that not every police officer is going to stick his knee on somebody's neck or head until they pass out. They don't police like that. That's why you saw so many police officers taking a knee because they were saying it's wrong. And that's what we got to have. Until we have that, it's, it's going to stay the same. I think that's an incredible way to put it, Denard. I, I am with you 100%. and it, it all does come back to respect. Whenever I'm looking at everything that has happened over the course of the last month, I am happy to see that I feel we are on the right track. I feel this, this has been a turning point for the country. It's one of those things that I would be more than happy to continue to have these types of conversations with you because I, I feel this has been a great experience for me. I hope it has been the same for you. And whenever we continue to look at ways in which we can better our community, I think if you just take that level of respect and you try to put it back to whoever you give it to, I mean, you, you never know, like you said, like, Somebody could be having a bad day, and you could be that one moment that turns it around for them. And a lot of people, man, like I, I feel bad. I, I had a moment. This actually happened to me yesterday. It goes back to what you were saying about judging a book by its cover. I was about to go into the gym. The sun was coming right in on my face, and so I had my head down when I was trying to read a message that had been sent to me. And I see this guy. Well, actually, I don't see him, but I just hear somebody knocking on my window in the car. The car had been shut off for a little bit. And I look up, and I was like, "What? I wonder what this guy wants. And he's, he's got tattoos everywhere. He's missing some teeth. He just looks really rugged around the edges. And I was like, my initial reaction was like, is this guy going to probably ask me for money? He just looked kind of rough. And I rolled down my window, and I was like, hey, hey, man, what's up? And he goes, hey, buddy, I just wanted to check on you. You had your head down. I just wanted to make sure you weren't passed out. I was just making sure everything was all good here. And it's like it was one of those moments where in my, in my mind I was just like, I judged him before I had a reason to judge him. Exactly. And I and I realize that's wrong of me, but it's like, you know what? That was a great thing that he did because, I mean, if that was a situation where somebody had passed out, he didn't take the time to actually just go and, and see if, if they were all right. Who knows what the end result might have been? So it comes to just every day try to have that one moment where you're doing good to somebody that might not necessarily have, have done anything to to what you would say earned it. Be the example you would want someone to be for you or your child. And man, like to, I guess where I started this point, I think good things are coming whenever it comes to having discussions that are going to actually lead to change. And the next step is policy. And that maybe the next time we have this conversation, that's something that we can, we can talk more in depth about because it's all great to say like, yeah, we want to have change. But if we're just being broad about it, there's not likely going to be a lot to come from. We really do need to step in and be like, okay, well, here's how we can get from A to B. And once we really start to discuss those issues and we find out where our differences lie, because like I said earlier, I think there's a lot more that we have in common than what separates us. And so once we find those points, it's going to be a better country for all of us. Do you know, do you know how change actually we know that it works? Do you know like a hundred years ago that me and you, we would not be able to conversate, especially we probably both grew up in the South. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we would just by me looking at you and you looking at me, we were not able to 
basically engage in any conversation, depending on what area we, we were in. Mm -hmm. I would have judged you by not even knowing you, just by just looking at you. But again, you fast forward 100 years later, we're actually having a conversation. We're actually learning that we're not that different. We might be from, you're from Tennessee, I'm from Texas. But we still, we got something in common. We got a lot in common, but we didn't even know that because it just to show you, you never should judge a book by its cover. We all do that. It's natural. It's not a bad thing. I tell people all the time, it's not a bad thing. We all do it. Sometimes what we see, we think we know. I've already said that I, I know everything about you within the first five minutes of knowing you. And that's not fair to you for me to do that. That is where transparency happens inside of me. That's one of the reasons. When I thought about what I just said, that way I, don't, I never judge you. But if, if, if I don't start with myself, then I'm going to look at you just based on, well, you're from Tennessee. You're all, you, you like country music and blah, 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 blah. But I never got the chance to know you. And then by you just opening up to me, me being able to open up to you, we learned we got more in company than we ever thought we ever had simply by just conversating, just learning to talk to one another. I've always said this, if you're not, it starts, the, the answer is right in front of us of what's going on. The problem in this country, it's not with race, it's with ourselves because a lot of us are not happy with us. It starts with us. We're the problem, we're the solution. And until people can see that, then we're gonna continue to go down this winding road that's the problem. The solution is right in front of you. You know, and I don't mean to harp on this, but Michael Jackson had this song, was it back in 1988? And it says, the man in the mirror. He says, I'm asking him to change his ways. If you ever just listen to, don't get me all started on Mike because I get all teary-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> but if you listen to the lyrics, I will advise people right now to go get that song and just listen to the lyrics. He says, I'm asking him to change his ways. He says, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself, then make that change. That's Stop what you that, got. Man. That's good. That's good. You know, if, you, if you're not going to make the change, then we're going to continue with these racist tweets. It's very easy. That's why when I look at television, I don't even look at TV because I'm like, people, the answer is right in front of you. It's the person that every day you wake up and you look at in the mirror. That's the problem right there. And until we, until we address the elephant in the room, which is us, which is me, which is you, we too busy pointing a finger at this person, that person, he, she said this, he said, he tweeted it. And until that stop and start looking at yourself, nothing's going to change. Denard, I'm very happy we, we had this conversation tonight. This is one of those things to where we kind of went into it. Like I, I thought it was going to be a good conversation, but I really do hope that when people listen to this, they are able to reflect on their own actions. They're able to try and look at things from another perspective. And maybe that, that is just enough to where they're able to have this conversation with one of their friends that they might not have a similar background with. And then like, like you said, like until you, you just stop, you take that second and you actually like look at yourself. Yeah. You're not, if, if you can't better yourself, how are you going to better somebody else? You can't. We've tried, this country has tried it over and over. That's the problem. We don't better ourselves. It's like some, I, I told somebody, to, I, I kid you not. I told somebody, I said, I have the answer to what's going on. You ain't got to pay me nothing. We, we have all these educated people, all these 
reforms, all of this and social injustices. I know the way to break that down. It's very easy. It's not hard. It's like a math problem. The problem is already solved. You're just trying to, the teacher's teaching you how to break it down. Some people can get it a little faster than others, but that's, it's already solved. What, but what do we do? We make it more complicated than it actually, we do. It's just a habit we do as people. Like, are you serious? My teacher used to say that all the time. Boy, you make it harder than it actually, it's not that hard, but you do it to yourself. And until you learn that you don't have to make things harder on yourself, then you will start excelling. If not, you're going to continue to sit right in this classroom making D's and C's and, and F's. It's not that hard. You make it harder on yourself. That's what we do every day as people, as citizens of this country. We make it harder than it is. It's not that hard. It starts with you. It's, it's with everything. The, the flag is not the problem. Injustice, racism, that's it. those are excuses. Until we, we, we got to deal with the problem simply by dealing with ourselves. Once we do that, we're, we're I'm, I'm telling you, when this country, the last time I was in this country back in 2001, September 11th, this country, I've never seen it so close before. It, it's like one day there was no racism. There was no nothing. I mean, it just nothing existed, but you're an American. It's all of us together. Unity. Yeah, unity. Like we had unity. But one time, it's like the whole world, but it took something catastrophic to happen to kind of wake us up and see what was really going on. Now we got a nut, we got these issues, the George Floyds and these catastrophic situations that continue to pop up. We got to stop because we're so much better working together than creating distance. That doesn't work. It's not going to work. It's just, it's the same thing over and over. Man, like I, I'm just trying to think of a way to follow it up, but like there, there's nothing, nothing else we can say on that. I, th no. I think we've we've covered our bases. Whenever you're trying to look at everything that you can take into account, and so I'll leave you with this: every day, try to find that one thing you can do to better yourself, because if you can do that, you're going to be able to have an impact on somebody else. And if you can be that light for somebody, you never know what it's actually going to do for that other person. Never know. And so. What point is there in trying to be someone that has a negative attitude that's not trying to make things better whenever you can't even fathom just what going into life with a positive attitude, the good that that could bring? And even though you might never see the results from it, I guarantee you, you're going to have an impact on someone in a way they might not even tell you, but they'll, they'll look down the road from, it could be five years, 10 years, 20 years from now, and they'll remember that one moment that they had because of something that you might not even realize you did. Mm -hmm. That's true. And if everyone was to do that, we'd be so much better off. So like you said, got to start with the man in the mirror That's or the right. woman in the mirror, and we'll go from there, and we'll continue to make strides together. And with that said, like I said it earlier, Denard, I look forward to doing this again. I had a great time having these conversations. I thought we were able to discuss a lot of things that, until you have these conversations, you really never know what you could learn from someone, what topics could even be brought up that you're taking a step back and you're like, man, I never even thought of it like that. Yeah. And I'll leave you with this, is that your actions can break cycles and it can create legacies. You need to ask yourself that. Which one am I willing to do? Which route am I willing to go that I want to travel? 
I'm sure President Johnson is looking down from heaven right now saying, you know what, when I said I wanted to be on the other side of history, he created a legacy. He could have not signed the Voter Registration Act, but he did. Gave people the right to vote, people. And that's what we got to ask ourselves. And, and I'll leave it and I'll say this. I got a friend, a good friend of mine. She, she was telling me about the Germans and they refused to allow their legacy to be dictated by the actions of one man. They refused that. In Germany, if they catch you with a swastika flag, whatever that symbol it is, you're going to jail for that, buddy. But they refuse that. And if you're talking about a lenient country that allows a lot of refugees and people in their countries because they're compassionate, it's Germany. We can take a page or two. And rather than throw out history, they teach people about the Holocaust and what happened so they don't end up going back and recreate history again. And that's where a lot of us are still stuck in history. We got to move forward. We, we, we got to move forward with this thing. Again, your actions can do two things. I've said it again. I'll say it again. You can break cycles. You can continue to perpetuate cycles, or you can create legacy moving forward. It's up to you. It's up to you. Well, we hope you have enjoyed this special edition of Believe in Titans as we have hit some of the topics and issues that are impacting our country. I know it's not our, new, our usual route, but I am very thankful that we were able to have this conversation. We hope you have been able to enjoy listening to us have this conversation. And if you feel that this has moved you and you want to reach out to us, feel free to do so. We'd be happy to talk with you. And again, just make the change that you want to see. But for Denard Walker, I'm Davey Hudson. You've been listening to Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. We'll do it again soon. And as always, tighten up. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.